stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Be sure of this, if the master of the house had known the hour when the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be prepared for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. Then Peter said, Lord, is this parable meant for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, who then is the faithful and prudent steward whom the master will put in charge of his servants to distribute the food allowance at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master on arrival finds doing so. Truly, I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the men servants and the maid servants to eat and drink and get drunk, then that servant's master will come on an unexpected day and at an unknown hour and will punish the servant severely and assign him to a place with the unfaithful. That servant who knew his master's will but did not make preparations nor act in accord with his will shall be beaten severely. And the servant who was ignorant of his master's will but acted in a way deserving of a severe beating shall be beaten only lightly. Much will be required of the person entrusted with much, and still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more. The Gospel of the Lord.
first reading, you have Paul speaking to the Ephesian community. Paul had to speak. He spoke to the, you know, think of the, the, the Ephesians as a parish. The parish in Ephesus. The parish in Galatia. The parish in Thessalonica. You know, the parish in Rome. It, Paul is going to these different parishes, these churches, and he's encouraging them. He's no, he knows that the devil prowls about like a roaring lion, and the devil wants to rob us of the very fundamental meaning of our baptism. If we as a church understood our baptism, that in itself would be transformative to our parish and to the surrounding um, community that we encounter every day, each of us. So I would say to different degrees, each of us here and, and throughout the whole church, universal, we have different degrees of surrender to and agreement with God living in me, living in me, living in me. And so we should pray for a greater giving over to this truth. Because when you know God lives in you, one, you're never alone, and two, you're always going to have joy and peace. Always. No people, including myself, no situation should have more power than the Lord in me. Meaning if I lose my peace and my joy, not God's fault. That means I've given you, let's say you guys, you know, one of you upset me or whatever, and I lose my peace. Well, if I give you that much power over me, well, that's my own fault. If, if you rob me of my joy, it's, it's, it's my own fault for not letting the Lord remain on the throne of my heart. I, I start to surrender to, you know, your imperfections or your brokenness rather than stay, stay on the cross. And you can't, like if Jesus would have came off the cross, he would have lost his peace. That was the Father's will. The will of the Father was that he remained on the cross. So how many times when we're being crucified, we come off the cross? Actually, it's the opposite of what we might think. Coming off the cross, you might think, well, that's going to help me stay peaceful. Actually, the other way around. Staying on the cross means you're staying in a position entirely of love. You're not stopping your love power. You're staying in the, 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 the position of love. You're forgiving. You're in a state of forgiveness. You're in a state of love when you're on that cross. And so that's the baptismal call right there for everyone in the church. All of us are called to the cross. You cannot, as we always share, you can't, like you leave the church and see that beautiful resurrected Jesus. That life of the resurrection happens when we also obviously first lay our life down and give it to Jesus on the cross. If you're willing to go here, you'll have joy. You'll have peace. Because you're doing the Father's will. And so, he says here, you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for your benefit. Think about that. We're stewards of God's grace. How do I let you drink from the springs of salvation in my life. I'm a steward of that spring of grace that comes from my heart. The heart of Jesus was pierced. Pierced. And what came out? Life came out. The birth of the church, the blood, the Eucharist, the water, baptism. The two sacraments, the, the gift of baptism being the initial entrance and gateway sacrament into the kingdom of God. And then the Eucharist, which sustains 
and fills and empowers us as we go and live out our baptismal life every day. So the beginning and the source and the summit come from the pierced heart of Jesus when he's pierced. But who would ever have thought that the two great sacraments of the church would come forth from a piercing, something that was painful. So when you and I are pierced, we as his body are lifted on the cross, we are mystically joined to Jesus in those piercing moments of our life, and we give forth the life-giving waters of baptism. We, we, we release forgiveness, we release mercy, right? So we're stewards of his grace for the benefit of others. We're not in this for ourselves. God became man not for himself. He said the Son of Man came to serve, not be served. And give his life as a ransom for many. So you and I can apply those words to our own life. Through baptism, we're his body. We are by grace. We're the body of Christ. He is by nature Christ, the, the Son of God. We are by grace sons and daughters of God. So that means... We're called through baptism, through the strength of the Eucharist, to live Christ crucified. As Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. We're called to be drawn up on the cross, and we live our lives each day on that cross, from that cross. That's our place of authority. We are priests, we are prophet, and we are king. Right? Priestly through baptism, prophetic through baptism, kingly through baptism. If you remain on the cross, you will be a priest. Not just by words, but by action. You'll live the priesthood of Jesus when you remain on the cross in the Father's will. When you stay on that cross, you're prophetic. You're telling the world there's more to life than punching back. There's more to life than spitting back or cursing back or yelling back at someone. There's way more to life. I'm staying on this cross, and I'm like a lamb led to the slaughter, and I'm opening not my mouth. Not because I'm afraid of you, but because I live for God, not for you. I live for God. And I'm not going to come off the cross and lose my peace just to throw a punch back at somebody or say something mean back to someone that says something mean back to me. Right? That, that would be buying right into Satan's tactics, right? So I just encourage you, he says, namely, that this mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I've written briefly earlier... He goes on and on, and he talks about this. He goes, I became a minister of God's gift of grace that was granted to me according to the exercise of his power. And to me, the very least of the Holy Ones, Paul, killing Saul, going around arresting and pulling Christians out of their homes and throwing them into the prisons and jails and being at the very feet of the people that were stoning Stephen and cheering these people on as they killed Stephen. God called this man Saul who became Paul, who knows more than anyone that we don't earn God's love. It's a free gift of grace. Paul didn't, Paul didn't do anything. Did Paul go to confession before he experienced Jesus? No. Jesus kicked him off his horse. And then he went to confession. He confessed after he experienced the Lord's generous love for him. God's kindness melted Paul's heart. Remember, he also had the scales on his eyes. He couldn't see. God was blinding him intentionally. Out of mercy, God blinded him because he wanted him to see and believe. So I, I just think we, we can learn a lot from these scriptures. And um, 
you know, and just real briefly in the Gospels, you must be prepared for an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. Death is like a thief in the night. Death will come upon us. Are we going to be ready? Will we be living our baptism? Will we be on the cross? Or will we be coming off the cross and doing what we want? Or will we stay on the cross and do what God asks us to, to do? Obedience is the truest form of your authenticity to God. Obedience to God's will is what makes a disciple and a follower of Jesus. Obedience. The word obedience has the word die right in the middle of it, right? Obedience. D-I-E. We have to die to self. We die to self. And we live Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. Our priesthood, our prophetic, and our authority over evil is from the throne of grace. That's the throne of grace, the cross. He sits at the right hand of the Father in power. When we remain on that cross, we are in the right hand of the Father. We are in Christ. No evil can do anything to me. It can't take my joy. It can't take my peace. It can't take my kindness, my gentleness. Nothing. I'm free. So I just encourage you today as we continue Mass. Ask the Lord to awaken your baptismal graces. Lord, unleash the full glory of my baptism in me. Unleash the full glory of confirmation. Unleash the full glory of Holy Communion in me at this Mass. I want to live for you. And as you leave church, stay in the mind of Christ. Don't leave the mind of Christ when you walk out the church doors today. Try the rest of the day to just keep asking, Father, what's your will for me in this next moment? What's your will for me when I get in my car? What's your will for me? Ask God all day, Lord, show me your will. Don't just do life. Lord, what do you want me to do now? How do you want me to deal with this person that upset me today? How do you want me to love them? How do you want me to pray for them? God will tell you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. But again, we got to ask, seek, knock. The answer the Lord will give to you now. So often we just go about our day after Mass, and I do the same thing. I'm, you know, I'm a priest. I get in my truck. I'm out of here. Next thing. What's next? And that's not what God wants. He wants us to stay in contemplation all day, to be in relationship. You can't give horizontally if you're not opening yourself Jesus teaches us that. If you read the Gospels, you see he went and prayed a lot. He took time to listen. Jesus spent the whole night in prayer when he picked the disciples. He didn't just say, oh, let's roll some dice and pick a few guys. He prayed all night long that he would know the right person to pick to be the first 12 disciples. So the Father was leading them all the time. So are we being led all the time by the Father? Just ask for those graces.